Hello and welcome to Hire Automation, a podcast brought to you by High Robotics. I'm your host, Michelle Don Mooney, and today we're talking about how to use economic uncertainty to actually gain competitive ground when it comes to automation. I have a great guest to bring on today. Brian Reinhardt is the Chief Revenue Officer for High Robotics, and I am thrilled to have him with me here today. Brian, thank you so much for joining me today. No, it's my pleasure as always, Michelle. Uh, looking forward to the conversation. As am I. So before we dive into that, can I have you give a brief background for people who may not know you? Yeah, absolutely. If, um, you know, speaking of backgrounds, if it uh, didn't give it away there, um, I'm currently in uh, Louisville, Kentucky, um, working for High Robotics US. Um, I've been in the material handling space for about 15 years now, um, and I'm really enjoying it's kind of, you know, the evolution of the industry and where we're headed. It's, it's a great time to be a part of it. Um, really excited to talk about kind of, you know, the state of the economy and how that's playing into things today. And like I said, I, I hope that the background isn't too distracting. Folks can focus on the words and maybe not, you know, all of Kentucky's championships back there. A lot of them. So is there one sport in particular? I just have to ask before we move they're, on. Yeah, they're a basketball program. So okay. um, those of us or those familiar with college basketball know that, that Kentucky's a hotbed and we're, we're awful proud of our Wildcats. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. So um, I'm glad you kind of let us in on that because I was wondering myself. So now let's get down to business. And speaking of which, when businesses are in a time of economic uncertainty, they often elect to maybe reduce or, you know, reconsider their spending. It can be a scary time. So how does this impact the decision making surrounding automation and things like storage and retrieval systems? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think first we, we need to define economic uncertainty, right? Which is extremely difficult. It's such a nebulous term. Um, what's interesting about it is that if you talk to and look at a lot of, or talk to people in the industry and look at a lot of the statistics, there's really more certainty now about the need for automation than there ever has been. Unemployment is at historical lows. We're below 3% unemployed, um, which are the lowest numbers since 1960. Um, the population growth is starting to kind of plateau or at least flatten a little bit. And the need for distribution and material um, delivery is at an all-time high. And so what you see is an increase in the demand and either a plateau or reduction in the supply, creating a massive gap in, in the, the warehousing and distribution space. And so the, the fundamental economic indicators that would usually drive the need for automation, which automation is what you use to fill that gap, are stronger than they ever have been. But where the uncertainty comes from is, you know, you turn on the news, you check your your Apple News app, and all you see is recession or, um, you know, another bank going under, things that are just completely out of our control. And it creates um, a hesitancy or a nervousness is what I would say. You know, inflation, recession, these are scary words. And if you're a CFO or a CEO writing, you know, seven, eight, nine figure checks to invest in your company the question is all around timing, right? You want to make those investments during times of stability, not times of nervousness. And so what I think is important, though, is that we kind of peel back that top level layer and understand, you know, is there true uncertainty? Is there, you know, are there real underlying issues with the economy that would make an investment like that not right now? Or is it maybe just a little bit of overhyped hysteria? And when you look at the true indicators, there are still avenues, you know, to, to invest and to gain. And so that's kind of what I want to focus on. That's kind of my message to these, the, 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 the CFOs and the CEOs of the world is that 
I understand what the press clippings are saying. I understand what the news is saying. And I empathize. I'm, I'm building a company as well. Um, but let's have a discussion of how to navigate that and potentially use it as your competitive advantage. Good to know. And, and hopefully things are on the up and up. Of course, you know, you never know when a business is going to be in that situation. But, you know, the best thing is to see how quickly you can kind of move through that. So let's talk about the process here. How can companies implement smaller, scalable solutions at a lower cost to help offset times of economic strain? Yeah, that, that's one really strong approach, right? And that, that's kind of, there, there's really two places that people go when, it, when the answer is, I don't want to write a big check, right? It is, okay, well, should we start small and scale up or potentially get more financial flexibility with either lease or service-based modeling systems? And what I would say is though, you know, the lease and the service-based systems do have their advantages, you know, think of the economy as your personal life. Let's say that, um, you know, maybe you were experiencing a layoff or the stock market was doing great and your personal savings were dipped out. Is that the best time to take out a lease on an $80,000 luxury automobile? Like, sure, it's small monthly payments, but it probably still doesn't make a lot of sense. Now, if there were the opportunity to start to gain some of the advantages of that luxury automobile, let's say from a transportation perspective or even a comfort perspective, a familiarity perspective, at a fraction of the cost. And then over time, you add more of those advantages in and scale up. You can kind of see where I'm going with the metaphor here. That may be a more you know, financially sound way of doing it. And so as that pertains to industrial automation, what we're talking about are proof of concept or pilot systems, right? A pilot system is basically just a small scaled down version of what the end state would be. But there are major benefits to it. Things like familiarity with the technology or the hardware, setting up the existing software infrastructure and interfaces, which can often be very time consuming and laborious. You get that out of the way now, like I said, at that very small investment point. And then when the economic uncertainty has been removed, we can simply add more hardware to increase our volume and our production to gain the full advantages of the system. And so that's kind of what that process looks like in terms of starting small and some of the advantages while you recoup the full benefit of the system at a later date. Yeah, it's never easy to work through a financial setback. But as you just said, it really is about the process, what steps to take, what steps to take first. So what's the best way that businesses can use such a time to adjust their facilities and scale up automation later? Well, well I would tell them, you know, not just use it, but leverage it, right? Now is the time to be doing this exact conversation. And I'll, I'll liken it back to COVID in 2020. You know, there was that was true economic uncertainty, right? We There was just global uncertainty. We didn't know what was going to happen. And in the supply chain, things kind of paused. You know, orders were not canceled, but they were paused. Projects weren't canceled, but they were delayed. And then once COVID became a little bit more clear what was going to happen, we established workplace conditions. Everything kind of just re-kickstarted all at the same time. And so what you had was a bottle up of six months worth of orders, plus the next six, all coming in at the same time. And the automation industry received about a year's worth of orders in a three-month period, creating massive backlogs. And there's a lot of companies out there that are still chewing from those back, chewing through those backlogs three years later. And there's end users that placed orders in late 2020 that just now got the automation and are just now starting to realize the benefit of that. And so what I would say is don't make the same mistake twice. Understand that 
hey, your competitors may be a little worried about economic uncertainty. It gives you an opportunity to get to the front of the line. What will be a nine-month project in Q3, Q4 of this year can be a six-month project today. And that's going to allow you to realize those advantages and, comp- and uh, competitive advantages a lot sooner. So not only use the time, like, like I said, but make sure you're leveraging it. It's a true opportunity to gain an edge. To that point, I want to dive a little deeper because it really is about being proactive. You know, as we stated earlier in the podcast, we can never tell if and when an economic crisis will hit. So what is the best way to be proactive with implementing automation early to avoid these types of situations that we see? And as you just mentioned, that we really have a tough time recovering from. Yeah, you know, if you looked at labor statistics over the last like four or five years, they are black and white clear as day. Like there is just not enough people to work uh, at the levels that these facilities are demanding and requiring. And so you can forecast that very easily, right? Which means that economic uncertainty indicators like, oh, the Dow going up or the NASDAQ dropping 10%, it's almost irrelevant, right? It's just noise in the back. At the end of the day, people running distribution networks and specifically down to the warehouse level, they have to get product in the facility, they have to store it, and then they have to get product out the door. And as long as buyer behavior and consumer spending is at the all-time high, which it is now, consumer spending still accounting for almost 70% of our national GDP and labor being at the lowest levels that it is, the rest of it is just fuzz. And so again, focus on the indicators and the data that truly matters. There's so many conflicting opinions when it comes to the economy. You'll have economists that disagree with the banks and you'll have banks that disagree with the manufacturers who disagree with the network planners. And it can be it can be really easy to almost get, you know, paralysis by analysis. There's just so much noise, you don't know how to surf through it. But at the end of the day, if consumer spending is up and labor is down, which they very much are right now, that's how you know you need automation. And so again, it allows you to stay on the forefront, right? You're staying a step ahead of your competitors by not just following the herd mentality and listening to the cable news networks. You're focusing on what's really important. And then once those opportunities to invest do pop up, like right now, you're ready to go. Yeah. Good news is we can get to a point where we see that light at the end of the tunnel. Once again, coming back to the process and we're talking about solutions here, you know, being proactive and how we can kind of avoid having a bigger mess than we would like to see. So let me ask you this. How can high robotics help businesses incorporate automation during these critical times, all while easing that burden and constraints on the facility while ultimately minimizing the risk? Right. I think I'll start with the last word you said there, risk, right? Anytime someone is adopting automation, there is a risk. There is a technology leap, right? Is your facility or or your current team ready for the new tech? There's obviously the financial risk, right? There are investments involved when you decide to automate. And what we want to do is, though everything I said in the previous question is true, right? The economic indicators that matter are still really strong and in support of automation, But if there is a little uncertainty or a little unsureness, let's reduce that point of entry risk from a financial perspective to the lowest possible levels. And the way you can do that is with a flexible automation platform. So, you know, specifically at High Robotics, we offer a mobile goods to person technology. And that mobility is really what allows us to offer pilot programs and a scalable solutions. So we're currently running a promotion on our pilot programs right now that come in one three and five bot solutions, 
that will allow customers to get the robotics in their warehouse, get the infrastructure around them needed, like racking, fencing, totes, get the software integrated with their WMS set up, fully tested. And we can do all this for $250,000, $350,000, and $500,000 at those different levels. So, you know, when you're talking about $500,000, that point of entry risk is very, very low. And so that's a great way for customers to get started on their automation journey today on a really quick time frame, like I mentioned earlier, four, five, six months, and get ahead of their competition. Um, but what I would also say is that we're not the only ones that can do this, right? Lowering point of entry risk and pilot to scale is something that the industry or the industrial automation industry is really trying to adapt. We want to create situations that are more conducive for buying for our end users, regardless of what the economy is doing and what the talking heads are saying. So you can take those points that I mentioned and really apply them to any landscape of automation, whether it be conveyance, sortation, industrial robotics, or in my case, goods to person technology. Really, uh, the key, I think, is baby steps, right? You have to take the step, and even if they're small steps, but you're taking that step in the right direction. Any final thoughts as we're wrapping up here, Brian? Yeah, you know, just to kind of wrap a bow on everything, you know, people ask all the time, where's the economy headed? Or or, do you think we're in a good place? Are you as nervous as everyone seems to be? And I say, I I don't know. I I would never even take a guess. It's like throwing blind darts at a board. (laughs) Um, But what I can tell you is that, again, there's no labor and consumer demand is at an all-time high. And as long as those two factors are true, there's never a better time to automate. So if nothing else, focus on what matters. Try not to get distracted by the noise. And if there is a little nervousness, crawl, walk, run, right? Let's start slow and scale up. So that's that's kind of my final thought. <laughs> Brian Reinhardt is the Chief Revenue Officer for High Robotics. Brian, if they have questions, people out there listening, or they want more information, where can they go? Can they reach you directly? Sure, absolutely. Um, you know, I'm on LinkedIn, like everyone else today, um, usually just promoting the company. Um, but that's Brian Reinhardt. Um, my email is brian.reinhardt at highrobotics.com. And our website is highroboticsus.com. Perfect. Brian, thank you so much for your time. Great conversation. I'm sure a lot of questions sparked. And you know, the good part is, there is a good part. <laughs> you know, we have solutions available. So I want to really thank you for the conversation today. I appreciate your time. That was my pleasure. Thank you as well. I want to thank all of you for tuning in to Higher Automation. It is a podcast brought to you by High Robotics. Once again, you can visit High Robotics website for more information. Until then, please subscribe to the podcast. You can hear more great conversations like this one. I'm your host, Michelle Dawn Mooney. Thanks again for joining us. We hope to see you on another podcast soon. Mm-hmm.